There we go. Hello, everyone. This is Ron Bush with the Information Playground, and we're coming to you with a special guest, uh, our good friend John Lawrence. First, let's uh, let's do a little identification. The Information Playground. This is for the average person that really doesn't understand what's going on, why the need for all the security, uh, technological advances, uh, uh, things that, uh, that are important to all of us that live in this day and day in technological age. Uh, we're com we come to you from uh, a number of sources. If you're listening to us on Monday morning at 8 a.m. or Friday afternoon at 1 p.m., you might be tuned in to WVLP. That's an excellent FM radio station that's in Northwest Indiana, headquartered in Valparaiso. Uh, they're a great group of people. And uh, I hope that you listen to us on that, 103.1 FM. But, but stream us from their website. It's wvlp.org. It can be Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. There's a bunch of them. Uh, check us out. The, the channel is called The Information Playground. And the same is true on YouTube. If you're watching us, um, The Information Playground. So with all that behind us, I'm Ron Bush. I own Ron Bush Consulting. And we are a, uh, an inf a cybersecurity um, company that uh, we go into businesses and uh, do risk assessments, employee training, those kind of things, and basically help business uh, secure themselves, stay safe online. Also limits your liability uh, if there is litigation and you are hacked, which is becoming more and more probable as we go on. Well, my good friend John Lawrence uh, is all over the place. He's uh, cyber forensics with the Munster Police Department. He teaches at Ivy Tech, and I'm going to let you finish that. I know you teach other places as well. Sure. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, Ron. Thanks for uh, having me again, as always. Uh, name's John Lawrence. Uh, I basically started my career uh, with the Munster Police Department. Uh, uh, from there, I've been able to join many different cyber groups. Uh, one that we uh, do a lot with is Governor Holcomb's group. Uh, Ron is still a part of, even though he connects virtually. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the big things about it that has come up a lot recently is cyber learning, or not just learning. Now with, with, with the way things are compared to the way things were, how kids are learning online. I have to do reports uh, daily about different uh, COVID-19 stuff. One of the reports or one of the articles that I, I added was uh, a situation that was occurring in southern Indiana, where apparently internet isn't so is isn't so good. You know, um, it, it's been I don't know described as spotty, to slow, to no real high speed internet in different areas, and it, it's it's almost like a blackout if you're basically lost between the Chicagoland area and Indianapolis. So those students who have to learn online 
um, it looked like that they were going to TV, that they're going to end up having to get their schooling on Channel 24, which uh, they would tune in between 8 a.m. and 10 p.m. or 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., depending on time of their class or you know their designated time they have to tune in. Um, that seemed a little rough from from my standard because a lot of a lot of students that uh, have problems, you know, or problems learning or anything like that, they I, I think they kind of suffer if if someone's just going to be basically talking to them. There's no interaction, no anything like that. So I just started looking at how online students are working. Now, again, as Ron mentioned, I do teach at Ivy Tech in Valparaiso. I also teach at uh, Moraine Valley in uh, Illinois. And it's a fantastic uh, uh, online learning at both places. And they use similar yet different uh, packages. They, they use Canvas or Blackboard, um, one switch from one to another, and the packages are, are they can choose which, how you want the environment to be. You could open things up, you could close things. It's very user-friendly. I think, I think it's user-friendly for the students. Um, it's not overly intensive on the type of computer you need, and it's not overly intensive on internet usage or speed or anything like that. So. I think college students are used to that now. They're used to doing labs online. They're used to um, researching stuff online. They're, they, you know, that's part of their um, curriculum, you know, that, that they've gone through from high school. And as well as that, they have to sometimes now meet students online where before they were meeting in, you know, groups, you know, and in the classroom or outside the classroom, somewhere on campus, somewhere. Um, I think it's more difficult for the younger students, especially for parents who, I'm not saying are hands off, and I'm not saying they're not helping their children do homework. I don't think that they're helping their children connect to school, per se. Um, and some of that came out because like schools in Chicago, they were ill-prepared for this. So parents were not helping students connect with schools. The students were just waiting for something to happen. Um, there's been other high schools that didn't have uh, any type of e-learning solution. And during the time off from class, and, usually, and a lot of the schools basically had two or three weeks off, came up with solutions or online solutions, whether or not they were buggy or perfect or anything like that, but they're there, they're, they're, they're working. Um, but it still did not seem, uh, I'm not gonna use the word accessible. I'm gonna say usefulness or something to keep the kids engaged. Um, older kids, sure, they have more of a drive for it and if kids are at home while their parents are working, the parents just put the kids in another room so they don't interrupt their 
Zoom, WebEx, Blue Jeans, whatever kind of meeting that they're having, or or they're getting a babysitter because their kids are normally in school. So some of them, especially if they're if they're essentials, they're not at home. So is the babysitter actually doing something other than giving them something to color or something like that? You know, um, so I started looking at alternatives. Uh, you know what they could do. Uh, there's there uh, and surprisingly, you know, and and I'm usually anti big companies like Google, but it looks like Google's got the best one. Google has a online learning platform that allows kids to log in and learn stuff. They get to pick different uh, 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 different uh, categories, you know, math, science, English, you know, stuff like that, and help with e-learning. Um, there's a couple of, there's a couple of um, Linux architectures, or, or, or I shouldn't say that, I should say operating systems that allow you to do a lot of this at home. So um, let's explain first, Linux, again, not everybody listening to this is going to be schooled in all this stuff. Blackboard and, and Canvas to go back. Are, sure, yeah, are, yeah, we could, are, yeah, we could. Our systems that, that uh, professors, I've used them in the, in the upper levels, I've used Blackboard, not Canvas, but that's used for uh, uh, homework assignments, it's for tests. They can do online uh, labs. They can do online uh, lectures, uh, videotape lectures. There's a, a host of things you can do through that. Um, uh, one of the, the popular things that's come, uh, come about the last few years is the flipped classroom where the students uh, watch the, the professor on a recorded uh, uh, lecture and then they the only time they meet is I don't know sometimes it's just take tests sometimes it's the to ask questions it's all different ways the other thing is you were talking about Linux uh, there are several uh, Linux operating systems I don't know how many there are there's a bunch of them oh uh, there's hundreds so Linux is the what do you want to say the third operating system people might be familiar with you've got Windows from Microsoft you've got Mac OS or uh, we'll just deal with laptops, Mac OS for Apple. And then you've got Linux. Linux came about by Linus Vorvald, I forget the guy's name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's all different, because it's open source, meaning that everyone can contribute to it. Uh, there are all different versions of it. And uh, uh, literally, it's it's probably the favorite among IT people because they can interact with it much more windows you're constrained to what microsoft lets you do and the same with apple so. and, it, and it works on all different types of hardware so usually uh, a lot of older hardware that may not run windows or runs windows so slow now you can put a a, a flavor of linux on it and it will run fantastic uh, the resources are far less um, constrained on the hardware than what uh, Mac or Windows may run on the hardware of the machine. 
Um, so you mentioned there was a couple of them that they could use. Linux was, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. You mentioned there was a couple of them that, uh, that were appropriate for the use you were talking about. Which, which ones were those? So, so what it was is that I, I started looking um, for solutions, you know, that kids could do because there's a lot of e-learning online and I started looking at ratings and students and some of them, or I should say a lot of them came with costs. Um, all of a sudden someone mentioned uh, Ed Buntu. Edu Ubuntu, like okay. like uh, like Ubuntu, uh -huh. um, and for those not familiar with uh, silly Linux names, uh, these all of these that I found are no different. Um, the problem of it, the problem is with a couple of these is that they started so long ago, they are not being updated. So. Uh, hand in hand with as many Linux distros that are out there. Some people like certain distros, but they've come to their end of life, just so, like Windows does, just like Macs do. And simplify that for everybody, distros, distribution. Um, it's basically different uh, dialects, if you will, in the different languages. So you've got Buntu, you've got Red Hat. I can't remember all of them because I'm not in that world. I don't uh, Yeah, Fedora, Debian. Uh, and, and all these different versions of Linux come off of these basic uh, versions of Linux that have been around for years and years and years. Um, well, they built these to have tools in them just for educational purposes. So instead of being a, a pen testing operating system or, or a networking or server, you know, centered, uh, this is there around education. And um, apparently it did a good job, um, other than the fact that some of them are discontinued or not supported, uh, they're still being used out there or have grown from them, just like Kali uh, uh, Linux from Backtrack or Red Hat from Fedora or, or something like that. Another one is called Uber Student, just like you know Uber Student, and and basically it goes through more advanced and very popular uh, version of uh, the Edbuntu, um, where, it's, where it's also built upon Ubuntu and allows a lot of friendly uh, access. You know, uh, early versions of Linux were not graphic driven. They were text driven and that's why it really was part of more of the IT community over here. Um, in Europe and everywhere like that, that's the number one operating system. They're very much used to that kind of oh, operating system, uh, where now they're making these uh, teaching Linux operating systems, if you may, uh, made for younger, uh, younger people. So it is more graphically intense, uh, easy navigation, uh, because there's no real, um, there's no real teaching about how a student would learn Linux. So they kind of made it look like Windows. You really couldn't tell the difference. I mean, 
other than you know Windows, you know the logos, and the logos aren't there, that a kid would be very, uh, it, it would they would adapt to it very well. And that's what a lot of the reviews are saying. That's why a lot of the parents apparently like using these for, for those IT parents. The problem is, is how to get parents involved, how to get non-IT parents involved. Yeah. They, it, 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 it's almost like you need like, uh, uh, you know, learning videos or anything like that. So I started looking for those and there's not really that many out there that are showing people how to use the operating systems and stuff like that. But for the people that are, they're really, it, it's really picking up. Um, there's one called OpenSUSE, S-U-S-E. And it's based on that version of Linux. And that's not only for uh, uh, like primary grades, but that's going into high school and even college. Mm. Uh, more tools, more involved but just as simple so that as and and it's being updated so as a grade school child is working with it they're going to get support for years and be able to use that onto high school and further um a lot of tools come with it you don't need uh office it's you know uh open office is built into them along with uh, different environments um one of the things that made uh, uh, Google Classroom so good and uh, going, you know, jumping back from Linux to the regular websites that were doing it, not only is Google free, not only do they have Google Docs, but now they're working in a virtual classroom setting where they have people there walking you through stuff all free you just have to create your account for it and add it to your google or your gmail account it it's and there's a lot of ratings on it you could you could go and look at them out of all the different ones it's got the most ratings maybe not the highest score but the most people that are using it and rating it at the same time hmm. fascinating so when you say that Indiana school system wasn't ready for this. Um, you know, I, I find that, I, you know, I've got a son in college. Um, uh, he tells me that most of his profs, actually told me all of his profs, not a one of them know how to use Zoom. As user friendly as, as you and I might think it is. <laughs> you know, a lot of these guys, men and women alike, they just, they haven't had to do it and they're not there. Some of them may be brilliant, but <laughs> it's, it's uh, it's new to them, and some of them aren't ready to adapt to that newness. Yeah. So it it's a struggle for him. Um, they have, uh, it, and and I know in other schools because I've got people who have, or I've got friends who have kids in other schools, other colleges. Um, some of their, uh, uh, all the ones I can think of, their labs have been canceled. They didn't know how to do them online, and so. Um, so as it turns out, he's, you know, they've, uh, it's a real mess because they paid for the full year. Uh, a lot of them are going to be lucky to, to uh, you know, I, I pity the senior in college or in high school, for that matter of fact, because they're not going to get to walk across the stage. And, you know, their, their, de their degree or diploma, as the case may be, um, 
is probably pretty shaky. They didn't get that last semester of school. It's uh, it's just unfortunate for everyone the way it's happened. I'm not I'm not minimizing the people that have been affected by the pandemic directly. Uh, you know, especially ones that have lost loved ones or or those that have have died as a result of it. But I I think about the poor kid uh, in school. Uh, their last whole last semester, regardless of grade, has been so messed up, and and nobody can identify with this. We haven't had that happen before. 1918, where the Spanish flu flu was a long time ago. Yes. And so uh, none of us around today probably went through that or, rec or remember it very well. So yeah, we have some high some high schools in the area where they're not even doing finals at the end because of how classes ended up online and and I think that's another problem um, so say like for ACT their ACT and SATs I heard a rumor and and it's just rumored that they may be taking them at home so now you're gonna have kids cheating I mean I think that and 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 the way to proctor that is going to be very tough because they could just sit there with another screen look up the answer and and pop it in. I mean, I have three monitors set up. I could look at something, be on one page and, and answer my questions here. Uh, and I think college has come to the understanding that that's how college students do it. And I think it's come down to no longer memorization, that you don't have to know something off the top of your head you need to know where to find it. Mm -hmm. And I think a good session or, or a good understanding of that is SANS. When you take any of the SANS uh, certifications, they allow you to bring whatever kind of material you want to. And you could look anything up. You could Google anything, anything like that. Well, well, I shouldn't say Google, but you get all the books and you can research it while you're answering your question if you don't know. Now, of course, that slows things down and everything like that. But part of the classes is how to find your answer. So they give you the book, but there's no um, there's no appendix. There's no no way to understand where anything is in the book. So you have to build that. You have to build to be able to tell yourself where to find the answer. And I think that's what a lot of the e-learning is doing and allows you to go out into the real world knowing sure not everybody knows the answer but you have the ability to find the answer and uh you know it's like that everywhere i mean even as we're trying to find you know a cure for covid19 where we're trying to where we're researching and stuff like that nobody has the answer but people know how to research and find possible answers you know I don't think small children are already schooled in that way of thinking. They basically are, are hammering away mathematics at you. And I mean, plus, minus, maybe eventually division, multiplication, and maybe for people if there's an advanced class in maybe seventh or eighth grade, or you are in some program where you're taking high school classes uh, where you go into uh, geometry or, you know, something like that, something where a calculator is needed. Um, 
the students are more, it's more memorization, just like knowing your, you know, how to, you know, your spelling, you know, uh, 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 I, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head other than spelling, but uh, just facts that you're just spitting facts out. You know, they want you to know specific events and time, stuff like that. Nothing, nothing like high schoolers and definitely nothing like college where sure there's probably individuals out there that can memorize or retain or 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 know something off the top of their head but it's probably not like that for everybody yeah. you know and they have to know how to look it up um i think i think doing it this way is going to help children you know the younger grades better and be more acclimated toward it as they get into high school and college compared to the people in high school and college now that, you know, had to basically jump into that process, which, I mean, I have students that suffer from it because everybody learns differently. They learn better in a classroom environment, but it makes them lazy. So some rather take it online so they could do it at their own pace and slack off because there's no teacher in their face telling them to do something compared to someone who wants to learn, comes to class, wants the labs, wants hands-on, you know, everything like that. And that's not online, not for everybody. I mean, some people have a hard time with doing labs online. There's not someone there. Some people work better in think tanks or groups, you know, and, and when you're in a classroom environment, you know, you can discuss stuff like that with groups. So when someone's got a problem, there's someone there always there with an answer or, or someone to assist. And younger age children doing this, watching, watching the TV to try to get this information, they're probably, someone's probably on there saying, second graders from this school, you have to read this today. You have to read that today. You have this mathematical. Thank you. This grade. You know, and that's probably that's probably how it's going to go because you have to address however many schools in a two-hour period. They're probably practicing to get it all squeezed in in the two hours. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think the uh, and I think you're right on on the mark. It, 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 younger kids, everything you you learn practically in those younger grades have got to be memorized you get older and you and you deduce and you uh and you reason through and you think through but it, when you start i mean you're a clean slate you have to have the basics in order to do the other stuff later on so uh, i want to take a just a quick break and uh, just re-identify and when we come back uh if uh, if you want to give away for people if they they have questions or want to contact you when we come back uh, you know be ready with that so you're listening to the Information Playground. Uh, I'm Ron Bush. I own Ron Bush Consulting. And we, we are an information management or cybersecurity uh, company. We help other companies stay safe uh, online in the cyber world, if you will. So um, we uh, underwrite this program for WVLP. WVLP is an excellent community radio station. They are on the FM dial at 103.1 or their website where you can stream this program uh, is uh, wvlp.org. We're on there at 8 a.m. 
eight to nine on uh, Mondays, and we're on uh, Fridays from one to two. Uh, we're also available on demand if you want to listen to the podcast. Uh, you can find us on, on all the podcast uh, platforms that I'm aware of. There's eight, eight or nine of them. Um, you can also, uh, and the, the channel is the Information Playground. And you can also find us on YouTube under the Information Playground. Now, I mentioned my name is Ron Bush and the company is Ron Bush Consulting. I like things simple. So uh, my email, if you have questions or thoughts, is ron at ronbushconsulting.com. So if, you've, uh, if you'd like to talk to me about the show, if you want to contact the radio station, you're curious about things there, it's info at wvlp.org. And my good friend, John Lawrence, who is uh, with us uh, from a host of different endeavors. He's got uh, a police department job and a couple of teaching jobs. He's head of NISA, and we'll get to that. Um, how do you want folks to contact you if they've got questions? Uh, sure. So uh, if you have questions about any anything cyber normally or anything like this about how what you can do to uh, uh, keep kids safe online, which I'm sure we'll be talking about next mm -hmm. because of all the interaction that they're going to be doing if they're not doing it already. Uh, my email address is J-L-O-H-R-E-N tz at munster.org. Uh, you could also um, uh, sign up for one of my classes at Ivy Tech. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So let's, uh, let's pick that up. Now, um, we've been talking about how kids uh, to go with school. Now, most kids today, I think, are probably already on the internet. I know there are a number of homes and school systems are, are struggling with this where there is no internet. Um, I also know there's a number of homes where there's no uh, devices. Even if they had internet accessibility, they don't have the laptops or the tablets or smartphones to, to uh, get on the internet. But I think most of the folks listening to us that were on the internet probably do have that. Yeah. I know that, you know, it, I always find it, I, I don't know, ironic, uh, odd. Um, you know, some of the leaders uh, in, in the tech movement, Bill Gates for one, uh, 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 oh, I can't think of any of the others right now, but Bill Gates is an excellent example. His kids didn't have uh, tablets and smartphones until they were older. Um, I think Steve Jobs, if I remember correctly, was the same way. Most of us allow our kids to have them earlier. Um, I'm, I think I'm, because we're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, well look, at, look at it. You, a lot of people, including family members of my own and friends that I know that have kids, they buy a tablet. And of course, in school, everyone's got to have the same. You know, people latch on to keywords like, like uh, uh, MacBook. Or, or, or iPhone or something like that. And uh, kids are looking at YouTube videos, you know, so they're basically just using it as a small YouTube portable device. Yeah. Um, and it entertains us. I'm not saying that we didn't do the same thing watching cartoons and Sesame Street and stuff like that growing up, 
but anything on YouTube, it, you know, it could pop up and say adult material and it doesn't prevent you from seeing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's the difference. You know, first off, the TV is designed for entertainment um, and tablets may be designed for entertainment as well and smartphones, but they're also designed as, as tools and to give a kid something, you know, you can't, you can't determine what you're going. Well, I guess you can today. What do we have? 300. Uh, channels. So I guess you can find something on there if you've paid for all those stations. But it's it's different with a, a tablet or a, or a phone because all you have to do is just type in. It's it's like genie in, in the uh, or the uh, Aladdin and the the genie in the lamp. Uh, you just you rub. Was that Aladdin? I don't know. Who whoever yeah. it was. The the genie in the lamp. You rub the lamp and the and the genie comes out. Here you type in the the what you want and it pops up on the screen and it. And you're right, it can be anything. It, it, it used to amaze me. You know, I, I, I can remember back when we had three networks. We didn't have all this cable stuff. Mm -hmm. the t television stations went off at midnight. And so, uh, you know, you weren't watching anything at two in the morning because nobody operated at two in the morning. And so, not, don't get me wrong, I'm not getting nostalgic and want to go back to those great old days of yesteryear. I'm not. No. But at the same time, the ability for a kid to get in trouble uh, people would invite people through movies through the years now through through the internet would invite people into their home through television they would never want in their home in real life. I mean, there's some pretty evil stuff out there. Especially, so, especially with all the problems that smart TVs had. I mean, we could go back and look at the cameras that when you plug your TV in and are on, you know, people were hacking that and, and could, could see through the camera or better yet, the manufacturers just watch you through the camera. Um, some of the gaming systems, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, all that, they had camera systems that they had at one time that was part of one of the packages that they since then removed, since a lot of them are children playing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, sure, you're going to get your, your adults that are, are gaming and stuff like that, but probably in a lot of households, it's going to be a lot of the children playing it. Yeah. They create accounts, their faces out there, and that's where you get people creeping in. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's just like anything else. If, if, if you want to know that your network is safe, you make sure that you have protection on it. If you want to make sure your children are safe, you have to make sure that your devices are protected. So it's even more important today, really, to be with your kids. You can't just give the, the kid, regardless of age, hand them your, your iPad and say, here, go entertain yourself or get out of my face or go be quiet, whatever it is you say. Uh, that's not acceptable. There's an excellent book, and I, I may have mentioned it to you before. I know I've, I've mentioned it on, on the, this program before. It's called The Cyber Effect. And I've, I don't remember the, uh, the doctor's name. It's a, it's a lady, uh, uh, a female PhD in Great Britain. 
and I've stalled and I can't bring her name up. The Cyber Effects, an excellent book, talks about uh, how the internet has changed us all. Now she takes a, a chapter or two and talks about gaming and talks about kids on the internet. One of the things she stresses is that what used to be, I don't know that she stresses it, but it's one of the things that I recall from the book, what used to be considered abnormal because one person would be by themselves, they'd be the only one that would like that. They wouldn't know anybody else, but online you get hundreds of them that congregate together into this, this, uh, you know, this one area. And suddenly what used to be considered abnormal is now normal. Think of the, uh, the series, the 50 shades of gray. I mean, that stuff you wouldn't even talk about in polite company. And here we've got one of the best selling. I think I read the other day that the only book that's outsold that book is the Bible. You believe that? <laughs> Well, I, people people are looking for for excitement, and and they get it in books and movies and any yeah, well, kind of, of entertainment. I'm reminded of the old country western song, "Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places." I, <laughs> I mean, to me, that's just sorry, but but at the same time, um, that stuff is available online, regardless of age. There's no way to check, you know the. Who knows, that may happen one of these days where you put the thing up to your face and it says, oh no, you're seven years old, you can't do this now. So any kid that picks up any instrument like that, or uh, even if it's their own in some houses, they can get down there and do anything and go anywhere. And, yeah. and now, what can we do about it? How do we protect our kids on the internet or from the They're internet? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of ways and a lot of, especially for mobile devices and your computer, where you could put parental locks on. You could put parental locks on specific websites. Yeah, not only can you put the names in, but uh, a lot of these parental locks go out and uh, uh, know of known sites. You know, they have like a list, you know, no different than a than a, a, a whitelist, you know, of good places to go. They have a blacklist of where not to go. Um, uh, the problem is, is that it's an imperfect system. I, I know that National Geographic gets blocked and a lot of people look for information, for doing reports and stuff like that, and that gets blocked. And that's why a lot of parents don't like that as a solution because now their child's looking for something, trying to go to a site. Mom, will you unlock this? Because I'm trying to get something and it's locking some site out for me. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's Google sites. Sometimes it's Yahoo sites. Sometimes it's, you know, other regular sites. But these, uh, somebody somehow, you know, said that there's something inappropriate on this site and it gets locked down. A lot of those sites are torrent sites. And... On that, the child could download anything they want, you know, uh, and it's it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple to to see the problem with the site that they're looking for. All of a sudden, ooh, I found it. Ooh, they got these movies. Oh, they got all kinds of movies, you know, and it's it's simple, simple to download, simple to watch. Tell the folks what a torrent site is. So. Uh, Torrent sites have been around for a while. Uh, torrent sites are pretty much 
um, a, a site that a, uh, a person starts for sharing or using P2P or peer-to-peer -peer, uh, uh, computers for sharing movies, books, all kinds of stuff. Um, a lot of them are breaking copyright laws. I'm not suggesting for you to go out there and go to these sites, but torrent applications such as uTorrent and stuff like that are used for legitimate things. Uh, a lot of companies use uh, that have big files that have to download. It's a lot easier to put it on a torrent and you could download it that way, like operating systems, for example, Linux. Mm -hmm. uh, they're two, three, four, five gigs big. And instead of taking forever to download it, it will be easier to download and you could stop it and pick it up from where it was uh, uh, through torrents and, and properly reassemble it on your end to get it to launch. The, uh, obviously the bad problem is that it's used for a lot of illegal downloading. Um, and there's a lot of websites out there when a website gets closed down or, uh, they catch the person who's running the site, three or four sites open up later. You know, it's, it's something that is now a part of every day compared to how it used to be where it was not everybody. It was just a select few, but as people meet in schools and college and workplaces. They learn about the websites or Google them. They find them when they do a search for just about a movie and they'll say, Hey, download it here. Even uh, YouTube that we we're talking about. A lot of people put these movies, music, everything like that on YouTube. And uh, recently they closed down a YouTube ripping site, which would basically, copy the YouTube video that you're watching for yourself at home. And a lot of people would put up the movies, but put them up in like 10 minute blocks. So all you have to do is download, you know, what, 20, 10 minute blocks mm -hmm. and you have your entire movie. Wow. So, so I know you started to talk about, um, about limiting sites you can go to. I know routers, you can do that, and that'd be the appropriate place to do it for the whole house. And, and some of them are really good. Again, folks have heard me say this before. I like to update all my equipment every three years. Now, I don't update everything at the same time. No. I, I'll update the router, and I'll update the laptop, the desktops, and the, you know all, all the equipment that I have. I try to always have new stuff because technology just keeps moving on. Mm -hmm. So for one, for the best... Uh, the latest and greatest technology, I guess that's what you want to do. But my whole thing is the, the security of it. If you've got old equipment, you're not going to have the bells and whistles to keep you secure that you will on the newer stuff. Routers, the, the latest routers, uh, I bought one last year. Man, I can do all that stuff on that router. It takes a little while to, to go through and, and sort through and, and set it up, but everything takes time. So uh, the other thing comes to mind would be for the parent or the guardian to set with their child and go through good computer hygiene. That means they need to know it too, which means they need to, to seek out programs like this. There's all kinds of them on YouTube. There's podcasts that talk about it. 
there's one thing about the world we live in today, if it's information you need, there's no reason why you can't find it. It's there. There's lessons and, and educational uh, videos and podcasts on virtually everything. I, it's in, you'd, you'd think it'd be infinite. I mean, there's just no end to what you can find. What else can people do? Well, another thing that people do, like you said, with the routers and stuff like that, a lot of companies and Disney comes to mind where they have their software router where it can take the children's computer, tablet, phone, whatever, and give them only so much time to the internet hmm. until they get their uh, work done, homework uh, you know, completed, you know, stop playing video games. And as a parent, you could log in and see how much time they've been on and you could deactivate them, activate them, give them more time, take time away. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I, I think that's good uh, and puts them into a timeout. Um, but again, like you said, that that's the old time of no internet and you're using a time life book or an encyclopedia to find all your information. That's gone. Yeah. Um, now it's now it's all about you know how quickly you could find it on the internet yeah and uh parents can monitor what they're doing through that too uh there's a lot of phone apps there's a lot of tablet apps that they could get for monitoring even gps so if the parents aren't at home and the kid of course won't leave his phone at home because you know they need access to their phone <laughs> right. they take it with and all of a sudden the parent gets notified that the gps is down at the 7-Eleven getting a Slurpee, uh -huh. you know, there's, there's a lot of things that, that, um, can be used to monitor your kids that they don't know about yet, you know, and that's, that, that's a lot of that has to do with it. Eventually there's a lot of people out there that create things to turn GPS off, to turn off some of these apps. They know how to work around them. Um, but going back to the best solution is education, talking to your kids, you know, knowing that you could trust them, knowing that they trust you, knowing that they're not creating a, a bad footprint for themselves on the internet. Um, and, and a lot of that comes with social media. I mean, um, there's been so many students coming into the police station because a bunch of parents won't allow their children to have social media accounts, which that's a debate for another time. But one student whose parents don't know, don't care, unaware, not a social media person allows them to create a Facebook. And now they share that Facebook account with all their friends. So if they want to sign in they want to look at something, they want friends, they just, they sign in. And then the owner of that account doesn't know what these kids are doing. And that's where you get a lot of your Facebook hacks because they're, they're typing stuff in or they're clicking on links or they're friending people who they don't know. It could be anybody on, on the web, you know, uh, using to uh, entice kids to be their friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I'm going to take a, a real quick break just to remind folks you're listening to the Information Playground uh, and you're listening to us, I hope, on WVLP. But if you're not, I hope you're listening to us on your favorite pod, podcast platform or YouTube under the Information Playground. I'm Ron Bush and you're, uh, you're listening or watching John Lawrence. So we're into the last uh, 10 minutes or so. Um, we've talked about the school system struggles with online learning and, and we didn't really cover that in depth, but we took a swipe at it. I, I think, you know, this pandemic has caused all of us, I think, to take a look at preparedness. On the business side, I, I, I'm pushing with businesses and I have for years, but now there's a, uh, I guess there's a receptiveness to it that wasn't there before. A disaster preparedness and recovery, business continuity plans, uh, and of course, information security policies and procedures. Um, every business ought to have it. Some are required, financial, some of financial services, uh, healthcare, those are required to have those things. Uh, most of them don't. In the healthcare, most of them don't. In the financial services, stockbrokers are very, uh, very good because they've got to be compliant or the fines are, are, uh, are really high. So, uh, so they tend to, to uh, take care of that stuff more. But every business ought to have that stuff. That's true throughout life. Uh, there are just things that we need to be prepared for. As Americans, we've watched all these disasters happen all over the planet, and our heart goes out to them. Sometimes our money goes out to them to try and help, uh, to try and, and help them recover. But we're suddenly, I think, starting to realize we're not immune from that stuff. This pandemic has made all of us believers, and we've got to, we've got to all be prepared. Um, we don't have enough masks, and you know all the stuff. Nissa, I'd love it if you'd talk a little bit about what Nissa is doing in, in uh, Northwest Indiana, because you guys are doing a great job. And yes. uh, I love the work that you're doing. Um, talk a little bit about that. You got to tell folks what Nissa is. Sure. Uh, Nissa, which is Northwest Indiana Information Sharing and Security Alliance. Uh, uh, my chief uh, is the president of Nissa. And it started basically back in 2008 when we had the flood of uh, Northwest Indiana. Uh, it took out Munster, it took out Highland, uh, a lot of different, all the way all the way to Gary, including a lot of the industry. Um, our hospitals, the first floor was underwater. So there's no electricity going in. They got different generators that have to have running. Um, U.S. Steel couldn't get trucks in and out. Uh, my chief at the time was just an officer. He was able to get people together to try to band together to help everybody. After the issue, or I shouldn't say the situation, calmed down, a lot of the water receded. Uh, people had pumps, you know, pumped out the areas. Um, there were a lot of homes that were still destroyed, and FEMA had to come in. So everyone in the region really never wanted to see this happen again. So they came together and started NISA, uh, which is in full effect today. We basically are running a emergency operations center uh, located on Gary airport to hand out uh, uh, emergency 
PPEs, any, anything that we could help with in the area uh, from everything from refrigerator trucks to masks to uh, uh, sanitizing uh, gel. Um, basically, we were given 5,000 gallons worth, I, I think, maybe, I, I, maybe I'm wrong on the number, but of sanitizing gel. The problem is, is it comes in 55 gallon drums. So we're like, well, what do we do with this? You can't just put it in your car. You need the right, you know, way to, to get it to everybody. So we started bringing it around and people are like, what are we going to do with a big drum? We, we need it smaller. So uh, it took a little while, but we found a few people that are bottling it and uh, getting it to us so we could get it out to everybody as needed. Um, it is slowing down. Um, I'm not saying that it's over, but a lot of the donations have slowed down. You know, we, we received a lot of donations through PayPal. Um, and apparently, uh, one of the gentlemen that works uh, at our EOC found Amazon. So if you purchase through Amazon, uh, instead of using just the regular Amazon.com, if you use smile.amazon.com, and a portion of whatever you buy, um, Amazon will donate to whatever charity you want. Yeah. Uh, we put ourselves in as a charity and are trying to get the word out. But again, all the big charities are on there. Uh, we are a 501c3 and uh, we basically uh, do everything for uh, our people. You know, our organization has reached out and has grown you know, in numbers over the years. It's a public-private partnership with not just law enforcement and first responders, but big organizations that are uh, looking to help out and keep the area going. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I didn't know that. So that's great. Um, we've got five minutes. Any last thoughts, things I didn't ask you that, that I should have? Um, well... I, I think the the safety uh, of kids online is always important, especially when it comes to video games, you know, where you never know who you're meeting up. Um, I play video games myself. I meet people online. I never know who they are. Um, I never give a whole lot of information about myself. Um, but we had a, a, a student of mine who has a small child uh, that met someone online was like, hey, I have codes for this game. You know, why don't you email me something or email me your information? I'll share that with you. And he's like, oh, well, it costs 10 bucks. If you send me $5 through Facebook, Facebook, you know, and, and so they connect through Facebook. And so now that person is sending money to the other person and all of a sudden we realized that that money was up to a hundred dollars and my my students come to me as well what do i do and i'm like well, one your your nine-year-old doesn't need to be on facebook you know and he's like well he's using my account and i'm like well apparently you need to you know address these things yeah and a lot of them is education if the parents don't know what they're doing or laying down ground rules uh, Again, that's probably a whole nother conversation because of course kids want to rebel. Kids are going to do, kids are going to be kids. 
-hmm. You know, they don't understand the, uh, the effect of being online, you know, and the repercussions of it, you know, a lot of kids share photos, you know, with people online and they think there's somebody that they know and it's, and it's not, um, happens all the time. Yeah, but that's, that's, uh, that's very the best thing for that is, yeah, is education, you know, uh, and sometimes parents don't think about it because it's not something they grew up with. Yeah. It's something, you know, that the kids are going to be involved with for the rest of their life. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's words of wisdom. And uh, I think we're going to, to end it there. Uh, Again, folks that want to contact you, John, what's the email for them uh, them to contact you? Sure. My email is j-l-o-h-r-e-n-t-z at munster.org. Um, feel free to contact me with any kind of problems that you're having, and we could try to uh, help you resolve them. Great. And, of course, I'm Ron Bush. Uh, contact me, ron at ronbushconsulting.com. And I want to thank you for being with us today. Um, uh, keep us in your thoughts and prayers, and we'll do the same for you, listeners. Um, I hope that, uh, that you found this educational. If you're listening to this on a podcast or YouTube, uh, please subscribe. Uh, we'll come to you as, uh, with new, uh, new uh, issues as often as we can. And uh, thank you for being with us. And thanks, thanks for having me again, Ron, if I didn't say it already. Thanks, it's always a pleasure. You're always welcome. Thank you.